what's going on. It's the 30th of August, 2020, and as no doubt most of you are aware, there hasn't been a whole lot of news lately. Has there, has there been a lot of news lately? Pretty, pretty quiet, pretty quiet close to the first round, I'd say. So what we're going to do with this podcast, we hope to preview the E to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. We're just going to preview the Bucks a little bit, the ongoing podcast rules of not getting into politics at all will remain so what i thought we'd do is just talk not so much around the protests whether you agree or disagree with the protest or any of these other things that are everywhere right now what we are just going to talk about is how this protest kind of the talk around the talk that is taking place um, and even that, we'll probably just uh, probably just mention just for a moment. Just talk around the reaction to uh, the protest. The, I guess what strike is the word they wanted to use. The reaction around that and how it affects the Bucks and specifically um, uh, how it relates to LeBron and who gets credit has been interesting in the last couple of days and that's ongoing and no doubt i mean you can get that also you can get that anywhere that's that's all anyone's talking about that became a not even a national that became a global news story and then obviously about a day ago we found that um friday night i believe friday night we found that Chaz, uh, chadwick bozeman had passed away which of course is sad seeing as how he had cancer for some four years and nobody knew about it except perhaps the his closest uh closest associates perhaps knew but that that he was filming these movies um not just the marvel movies but these other movies and that he had um cancer my relationship to chadwick boseman and I would guess for a lot of people, it was just the, the kind of joke early on was that just this, he was this guy who somehow got to play all these other people randomly. I mean, I think that's everyone kind of at a certain point it was like the guy from 42 also got to play James Brown and he's playing Thurgood Marshall now, too. OK, and I didn't see all those movies. I did see 42. I don't think I saw that. Maybe I saw part of the James Brown movie. I don't really know. Don't really remember. Um, so obviously a very, very. Uh, talented guy and then of course he gets Black Panther Black Panther just my opinion the first two acts of it are so good the first two acts of Black Panther are just excellent and interesting and you weren't sure how it was going to go I said right up until and including um, when Killmonger uh, shoots his own girlfriend you're just like man I don't know where this is going um, the 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 tele you could kind of the telegraphing of who was going to win the second fight was kind of obvious but it just it's interesting a bunch of stuff is happening um the family brings them back to mbaku all all that's great the third act is is weak and the emotional beats don't hit and it's kind of a cgi fest and at that point watching it in the theater the first time i was like man i hope um oh bucky joins the third act Bucky or Captain America and I understood kind of in real time why they didn't because this had to be kind of the the all-black finale not with any help but but so anyway Black Panther a lot of people is um really transcendent for a lot of people for me just another pretty good movie um but the, the beginning of it all the kind of Bond stuff I really liked um and that kind of 
becomes my general kind of criticism of Kugler. A lot of times, some of the emotional stuff doesn't hit. Well, I'll just do this now. The whether it's in the directing or the editing, something about T'Challa is supposed to be dead, and he comes back, and and the, the the kind of he's alive moment. Oh, oh, oh here we go. There's going to be a fight moment. It, either through the music or the editing, it just doesn't hit right. And you're not really sure what's happening. And that should be the, um, that should be like the, he's cut. Rocky has cut the Russian. The Russian can be cut moment. That should be the, here we go. He's back. And it just doesn't, doesn't hit. But specifically about his performance, I never look, I'll just say right now, if you're annoyed listening to this, that I'm not eulogizing Chadwick Boseman. I don't know how to do that. I'm just talking about things I've noticed so you know like this this isn't a eulogy much like the Kobe eulogy was not a eulogy I'm just talking about things I don't understand acting so I whatever acting terms people could tell me and my friend doctor of acting Adam McGee probably would tell me I'm right or wrong about this and we you should listen to him can Michael B. Jordan act act or do we just like his presence in an early Tom Cruise kind of way now, again, this isn't a binary thing. I would, you know, some people are good in some roles and just kind of mediocre to bad in other roles. He was super charismatic in Black Panther, but I got that kind of that Donald Glover kind of feeling like Donald Glover does um, Lando Calrissian and a lot of other stuff. But I never really feel like Donner, uh, Donald Glover is acting. It just feels like he's doing impressions like a SNL kind of thing, but I don't. There's something fraudulent about it. Um, so, so with Killmonger and Black Panther, I believe the emotion and look, it's an enjoyable, it's a very enjoyable performance and their dynamic is really enjoyable, but you know, he's, he's a couple of steps removed from like Shonuff or something like that. And just like, you know, it's, it's kind of his, his exaggerated kind of, kind of anger, like just played a, again, I'm saying all this to say he still played a great villain and I was happy with it. But putting him next to Chadwick Boseman, you could tell that Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman was actually a very good to great actor. Actor, And so to say this, to eulogize uh, Chadwick Boseman, to say that his kind of chill, understated, regal, in-control performance allowed uh, Killmonger to just be nuts. I'm standing in your house, serving justice to a man who stole your vibranium and murdered your people. Justice your king couldn't deliver. I don't care that you brought Claw. Only reason I don't kill you where you stand is because I know who you are. Now what do you want? I want the throne. <laughs> hey, you, the tuna. <laughs> Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us, but their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. And what tools are those? Vibranium. Your weapons. Our weapons will not be used to wage war on the world. It is not our way to be judge, jury, and executioner for people who are not our own. Not your own. But didn't life start right here on this continent? So ain't all people your people? I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. And it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe and that vibranium does not fall into the hands of a person like you. Mm. 
Son, we have entertained the charlatan for too long. Reject his request. Oh, I ain't requesting nothing. Ask who I am. You're Eric Stevens, an American black operative, a mercenary nicknamed Killmonger. That's who you are. That's not my name, princess. Ask me, King. No. Ask me. Take him away. Ungubani, Indingu, Indadaka, Unyanaka, Ndobu. Huh? Unyanaka, Ndobu. I found my daddy with panther claws in his chest. You ain't the son of a king, you're the son of a murderer. Who you have see, son? Lies! I'm afraid not, Queen Mother. Hey, Auntie. I'm exercising my blood right. The challenge for the mantles of King and Black Panther. Do not do this, T'Challa. As the son of Prince Injobo, he is within his rights. He has no rights here. The challenge will take weeks to prepare. Weeks? I don't need weeks. The whole country ain't gotta be there. I just need him and somebody to get me out of these chains. T'Challa, what do you know of this? I accept your challenge. I mean, like, even when he's dying, it's just like, it like, it's like he was just like, every line reading in this movie is going to be as hard as possible, just no matter what, you know, and... And again, I enjoyed Black Panther. The point is, Chadwick Boseman um, really gave uh, the Black Panther, or T'Challa, the Black Panther character, a dignity. There was a dignity to that performance. And not in a sort of, there was no tokenism to it, or he, he was allowed to be a fully fleshed out character. And so throughout the movies, I thought Civil War was... Uh, the kind of T'Challa arc in Civil War is better than kind of anything that happened after that. But the most thrilling part, one of the most thrilling parts of Infinity War is him and Captain America rushing to the front lines. And it's a visual metaphor of, of what they're about, how they lead, and uh, what they're willing to sacrifice. And so as the Marvel arc concludes... Because let's be honest, Marvel movies are done. I mean, you can go watch the rest if you're done. To me, they it ended with Endgame. I'm done with them. Um, but they resisted the urge to do what so many would want to do and make them kind of the other side of the coin. No. Black Panther and Captain America are exactly the same. They stand for the same things. They believe the same things. They're noble in exactly the same way. They are the same. It's the White Panther and the Black Panther, or it's, you know, Captain Wakanda and Captain America. They're exactly the same. And their just sense of overall class in the midst of all these other kind of comic characters and sort of hedonistic characters and all these oversized characters grounds those movies in a way that is important. And it, it's, to say the state the obvious, it's unfortunate that he's not here. So Chadwick Boseman did it. Um, what, 42 years old. Clifford Robinson also died. I didn't know. I don't have any Lute Olsen thoughts at all. Lute Olsen also passed away. A uh, longtime coach for University of Arizona. Uh, Clifford Robinson, again, a guy 
seem to have seem to have an interesting life. I do want to just kind of mention I started jotted this down just the basketball uh, aspect of Clifford Robinson with Clifford Robinson, which will be kind of forgotten that he actually did uh, win six man of the year that he was in two two finals 1990 and 1992. The first one the the kind of less remembered uh, Pistons Blazers series with um, the second of the Pistons back to back, the last of the Pistons. Uh, titles he appeared in that one and then of course he also appeared in the six game uh, Bulls defeat of the Blazers and really unfortunately but again I never know about this perhaps fortunately but like he's caught an iconic moment in NBA history so is that that's that's a good thing I would say generally which is after Jordan hits the sixth three-pointer in the first half which was an awful lot back then it's it's an awful lot now but at the rate that people were shooting three-pointers for, for Jordan to try to throw it in Drexler's face by shooting threes, which is something that Drexler had over him, and for him to make six in the first half and just blow him out. Because I believe, like, they, basically they sat the second half. So whatever he had, 35 in the first half or whatever it was, was this huge thing. And and Drexler's contesting uh, – Drexler um, – Cliff Robinson is contesting on that last one. And then Jordan looks to Magic and, and does the shrug. I was thinking about Magic uh, the other day, too. I wonder if people feel differently because kind of one of my blind spots is I just don't care about announcers. I'm just too, when it's the Bucks, I'm just too wrapped up in the game to really care if an announcer is saying something stupid or not. And Chris Webber, obviously a much lesser presence than the Magic Johnson, who is clearly one of the top eight players of all time, give or take. But I just kind of always like having great players on the game, no matter what they say, even down to Reggie Miller. Like, I'm like, why would I care what, you know, Mark Jackson has to say? I'd much rather have like a Hall of Famer there. But again, I'm not really looking at these other people for analysis and I know people feel differently. But, you know, Magic Johnson's just yelling, just saying unintelligible stuff. And we all those of a certain age can probably just recited by heart because Magic Johnson was just yelling into the microphone, whose game is it? It's Michael Jordan's game. And, and you're just yelling and Jordan shrugs to the camera. And so Cliff Robinson was part of this iconic moment. Uh, he was also, the iconography of, of Cliff Robinson was the headband, which endures in one form or another to this day, which was, I think he brought it back. I don't know if he was the first player to bring it back since... Slick Watts or whoever wore him in the 70s, but uh, Cliff Robinson brought the headband back. This is before Tim Thomas and the double headband. This is before headband Eric Bledsoe. Um, so this is kind of a part of his iconography that he uh, stood off from the crowd a little bit. And um, let's see what else. 461 straight uh, games to start his career without a miss. He had, had a little bit of an Ironman streak going. Had a 50-point game at 33 years old. And... Um, it's really nice, solid piece. Really nice, solid piece, and you could definitely win something if he was the third or fourth best player on your team. A lot of people from that, a lot of people from that Blazers team are it, are currently deceased. Kevin Duckworth is definitely dead. I think Jerome Kersey from that team, who used to be a really high flyer before he got fat, was, I think, has also passed away. And then it, um, maybe some other people don't know this. He was also part of a very iconic. Uh, survivor season the first Tony never know how to pronounce his last name Tony Vlachos uh, Tony Tony the cop Tony uh, the first of his survivor wins was brains versus brawn versus beauty 
and Cliff Robertson had a cup of coffee in Survivor, but was generally kind of a likable presence there. So they will be missed, without a doubt. So our guest this morning, it's Sunday morning, is somebody that everyone knows. From the home where the best be, strong game, attack the rack like Lisa Leslie. His puns like guns test me, from winning six in parks unknown, it's Jordan Tresky. Thank you. <laughs> Trying to top the uh, the uh, last dance, the, <laughs> the Alan Parsons. What? This was not the first question. What are your, do you have any common thoughts? Common thought? Oh, I oh now I got. It. I was like, "Where's I?" Now I got it. What did he rhyme? What was he rhymed? Antetokounmpo. Oh my god, I can't. Remember I just what he, I just listened to it too. I don't. It was like a weird. It, I mean, it's hard to rhyme Antetokounmpo with anything. Sort of like maybe like akimbo or I don't know. He, he, he didn't come close, and I don't think it was the strong O sound, if if memory serves. It was something else. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But there was, like, a, a BAM was in that game, too. There was, a, I mean, full marks for trying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, uh, my relationship with, with Common is, is, is um, kind of new soul positive rapper guy and uh kind of did a did a couple movies and kind of did a bunch of stuff and at a certain point i just kind of found and continue to find him kind of unsufferable (laughs) i i found i found the uh the rhyme he said the reigning mvp can drive the lane with no refusal (laughs) from the milwaukee bucks the captain of the team Giannis antetokounmpo (laughs) And Bam's right, yeah, making his all-star debut, going hard in the paint is his style. That doesn't even rhyme. That's not even an attempt from the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo. Uh, (laughs) He had a lot of balls in the air that day between doing kind of the Kobe um, send-off and whatever. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they were like, Common, can you uh, address, like, (laughs) what has happened over... Before he was up for it, but it was kind of, of I'm not usually, unless it's really well done, I'm not um, usually the biggest fan of when kind of rap and spoken word kind of merge and it becomes kind of slam poetry, you know, a little bit more. And that's kind of the space he exists. Yeah. But yeah. uh, How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? (laughs) I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. So we don't have a lot of news to talk about. No. Yeah. Nothing. Not, not. <laughs> so, so check it out. I, I did a preamble before you came on. And so, look, we're not going to talk religion. We're not going to talk politics. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff has happened that I'm sure we all feel strongly about. But the aftermath of the Bucks uh, protest slash strike i think strike is the uh, term that kind of was the preferred nomenclature after a while mm-hmm. a lot a lot of content came from the aftermath of this a lot of leaks and a lot of counter leaks uh not just in, not just involving the bucks but but there, there's a lot of so i want to talk about some of that stuff yeah. first 
Um, it would seem that, I mean, this this was really shocking to me. I, I couldn't believe this, but it would seem that LeBron James wanted to make this all about himself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did not get that. I have not got that message at all. No, a, sh- <laughs> a, a, shrink, a shrinking violet, that guy. Like, I, 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 and, but, but, but possibly he was upset that he wasn't, um, informed of the situation in advance and but then it was kind of I, I kind of took a day off from kind of looking at these things and then i guess he had a powwow with obama or or did something else and but this was also in the context i mean the the, the lou williams not lou williams um who's the uh, point guard for the clippers oh uh patrick beverly yeah pat the bev uh reported kind of like i don't i don't even know what you'd say with like michelle roberts yes yes and so that was kind of a whole thing about what well, he told her to shut up, basically, or I pay your salary, and then people are out. I don't. Very Patrick again, Beverly behavior if it happened. Yeah, you know I mean, like it's like oh, you put like the quote, and if you're like you put the name to the quote, you're like oh yeah, that is that sounds like Patrick Beverly. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> if Patrick Beverly thinks he's as good as like prime Chris Paul, then of course he thinks he's also putting butts in seats and, you know, paying everyone's salary. Yeah. But so there's just, a, so look, if you're listening to this, you're aware of all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it, um, has it either enhanced or soured kind of the feel of the bubble for you at all? I think, well, there's actually an interesting article that came out. It was like the Associated Press. They were talking about like the bubble. This is like a, like, two days before the game five walkout strike, whatever you want to call it. Um, And like, you can see like Hill's comments in in particular, and he's kind of been, I think he's been at not just like bucks related. I think he's been at the forefront of just saying like, yeah, I kind of don't want to be here, but this is what we're doing kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of just showed with what he was talking about. And he's kind of like been trying to, focus on the message of like, you know, racial injustice, all that stuff. But I think it kind of, it, if you read it, I'd have to like send a link, but like, it just kind of just shows like, oh yeah, these guys like are only playing basketball and they're stuck in their rooms. Like it's before, fa- like family is now just coming in to the bubble itself. So maybe that helps matters for guys and stuff like that. Like, you know, just being, you know, nearly two months away from loved ones and all that stuff. Like that's going to be draining when you're just, confined to your hotel room talking to the media about like same questions. I'm sure that, you know, that gets repetitive. It's just a very repetitive nature and you can easily lose track of time. Um, it's especially what we think we know about George Hill, that he also seems to be a fan of wide open spaces and the ranch or, yeah. or hunting or whatever. Yeah. Like eight hundred. He, he literally has an 800, whatever, how many acres it is. And just like, <laughs> you know, enjoys the leisures of life and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. And you, I think to me, like, obviously there's bigger things that they're posing and stuff like that, but you could just see like, oh yeah, this is kind of swelling up. And the fact that, you know, the world keeps spinning and all this, the other, you know, shootings and all this stuff, like it's still happening amid like everything else in the world that's, you know, going down the tube seemingly. Uh, mm-hmm. It certainly can weigh on people that just like you know they have no control over. 
Yeah, it would it would be crazy if they weren't really really feeling it. Yeah. And then we got and then we got kind of and again it's just kind of weird because I I think we've again not not really addressing the other situation but we kind of had this perception of George Hill as being slightly quiet, uh generally kind of savvy and smart and a kind of stone cold veteran kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so in the in the context of that the um I had to go relieve myself <laughs> kind of comment. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that's normally the kind of comment we've got to got from. I don't that that wasn't revealed to me of my intel that this was something that we knew about George Hill in advance, um, and so still seems kind of slightly off from our general perception of something of a kind of quote that George Hill would kind of normally give. Yes, <laughs> he did though. There was this one. I mean, it's that's not... a Michael Beasley kind of. That's a Michael Beasley kind of quote. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean. If you're throwing out the uh, people out the scent of that was poor choice of words, but if you're throwing people out the scent of, you know, <laughs> I don't I, like I don't want people to, like come across like I'm you know walking out of the national anthem and all that stuff like that that is like a foolproof <laughs> thing to say that like oh yeah this is what I do before every game like what yeah. <laughs> you just happen to see me <laughs> right. I I just self edited about three different jokes just just so, <laughs> um, so uh, we want to do kind of a tight twenty minutes here. Um, how are we feeling about the heat? Um, I I'm terrified of the heat. I'm terrified of the heat. I'll I'll tell you that right now. I I I'm along. I I am I definitely share that belief and the sentiments because there's just something about them and it it like i just hate i don't know i you know i've been writing about basketball and all this stuff for a while and stuff like that and then when you're just kind of like your perception of like a team like oh like this is a good team they punch above their weight and stuff like that like that's kind of like what the heat have gone after but it's like we have like jimmy butler who's like one of the top he's an all-star caliber player all nba caliber player kind of you know what i mean like I, there's just something about like they kind of like assume this underdog role that just kind of for me it's like I don't necessarily see it because I see them as a good team and that like they're they're they are built to like really give the Bucks problems in very unique ways when Duncan Robinson literally hits every other three that he shoots. Yes. Yes. Like it's there, there's a there's a thing too about guys like that uh, where. And I really should have learned better by now with all this kind of thing. But there's a thing with like, if you watch a guy hit two threes and then you see him hit three threes on another team, I just kind of assume he's going to just make it every time he's open. And in Duncan Robinson's case, it seems like that's probably a little bit closer to being accurate, but it's just, I'm just like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to hit half his threes uh, and, and Harold will get hot. Yep. And, and then where are we at? Yeah. That, yeah, that's the thing is that like, they've, I, I don't know how, like, I it's it's weird because, like, Jimmy Butler, like, he used to be a decent three-point shooter, but he's kind of just honed in on, you know, getting, like, how he plays is, like, kind of, I don't, I can't even think of, like, a, like an analog to, like, anybody else in the league. He kind of is just Jimmy Butler. But, like, yeah. all their, like, supporting guys, like, Robinson, Tyler Hero, 
Kendrick Nunn has at least shot well against the Bucks. I don't know how much of a role he'll play this series. Goran Dragic is literally like I didn't anticipate him becoming, you know, I don't know, playing the best basketball of his life <laughs> since right. like the bubble. Like even Kelly Olenek, who's like one of those like he's the guy that just like kind of gets under my skin because he kind of just does the he you know like he's gonna get like three fouls in the series that are just like okay that should not it's always gonna be on Giannis and he always like accentuates those fouls too like oh I get hit in the chin but I'm like fifty pounds heavier than Giannis or not fifty pounds but yeah right. I mean right he's he's kind of a, a I don't know a... so. I wonder if almost this will be the inverse where this is the first time that the bubble seems to kind of help us. Because again, as Bucks fans, I don't know, maybe you've uh, acclimated to this. I don't know what it's like to be in a series still where we're supposed to win, especially against a good team. Like if, 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 if they were playing these games in Fiserv and American airlines or whatever the heats arena is called, um, it, you know, you got the normal feel of, of even baseball is like this, but just, hey, first two at home, uh, you want to win the first two, but a, a split is okay. If you lose game one, then your series is on the line at home. And I just don't know that any of that really carries over to the bubble. I mean, certainly the, you know, virtual organ and virtual crowd noise doesn't really, I don't think that rates at all. Mm-hmm. And, and and so then the, just the question, I mean, these are neutral, this is a neutral site. Uh we could lose the first two and maybe we could still win, but it just, there's no kind of thing. Oh, the Bucks lost game one. Now, if we lose game two, the series is over. And, but yeah, uh, scared of Spolstra too. I, I think it, it, you know, I, see, see, here's the thing. And I'll just kind of my thing with this now. I don't like it when people do the, like this is the, almost the dumbest form of analysis where you see people do like, well, if you have this player in the forwards, I say they won these two forwards positions, and but uh, Miami wins the center position or whatever. Oh, yeah, and go down like the, the list. And, and say head-to-head matchup yeah. thing. Like it's fantasy, yeah, you know? Yeah. Ho- however, however, <laughs> if you look at Goran Bam, uh, Goran Bam and uh, Jimmy Butler versus Giannis Bledsoe and Chris. I'm not a hundred percent sure we're going to win that if Goran just really is that much better than Bledsoe, and then you add in Spolstra and you add in those shooters, mm-hmm. and I'm so right now I'm going to say Bucks in seven. Um, you know we'll have the home court on seven game seven, which doesn't matter, but I, I think we can probably pull this out in seven. I think it'll be a good test, but I do not think it's going to be a cakewalk. No, I, I don't think so either. I and plus, I mean to your point, like. Our bar of expectations for Bledsoe is very low when it comes to playoff matchups, even when it's, you know, during a pandemic and, and in the bubble. So, like, when he looked mm-hmm. as, I don't want to say solid, but, like, decent against the Magic, mm-hmm. I think that yep. might be fair. You're just like, yeah, we'll take what we'll get. He's not he's not hurting you more than he's helping you. That That's basically what it was. <laughs> yes. But he's, he, I mean, it's Brooke that's, at this point, the Bucks' third best scorer, I would say. You just can't rely on Bledsoe can hit some shots every once in a while, but like it's Brooke that's kind of more key towards balancing the scoring load off of Giannis's shoulders and depending on what happens to Chris, which is kind of an unknown, I would say. 
Oh, well, I mean, you got to have faith in Chris. I mean, cash money. <laughs> so, hey, I, I'm, only gonna, I'm only going to do 90. Yeah, this is, not, this is a pick and roll alley-oop. Um, I, I'm only going to do uh, 45 seconds on this right now, and then we, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. Um, Chris had a, a season-long quest for 50, 40, 90. Uh, the bubble comes back. The bubble's weird, right? I mean, any of those games, you know, six six for we thought six for twenty against the Celtics kind of did in the fifty forty ninety, and I'm like, well, people will stop talking about this. Then he had a couple other pretty good games, and then he had some bad games. He has not shot fifty percent from the floor since the Grizzlies game. There's not a single game, and, and I'm just wondering if this has now become the the curse of trying to shoot fifty percent from the floor. He didn't shoot fifty percent from the floor in any single game of the Magic. Although he had a couple really good quarters, yeah. Uh, everything else, everything else was Basura, and I, I have a few concerns as to whether he can outplay Jimmy Butler. I mean, he came into the bubble with this top ten nonsense. Not that that like really matters, but if he can't outplay Butler, or here's the thing: like I think ultimately, like the obviously this isn't positionally, but it's going to be like if Butler ends up this series with more free throws than Giannis. I don't know if that's a path to us winning the series. No, I, I agree. I think it's like a lot of like the, like, cause it, it happened in the magic series and like the easy buckets that the bucks would get, like they weren't like there all the time for them. And that's kind of why you saw like their offense kind of, it looked better towards the end of the series, but it was certainly like up and down for, I would say a good chunk of it. And Middleton's kind of, I mean, that certainly applies to Middleton. Yeah. Um, I've been working. These have been, especially on the West coast, these games have been so early and we, um, I wasn't in town for the first couple of games. So I, I won't pretend that I've watched most of these games. I saw, uh, I was back for game three and I saw the last two games, but I didn't see the, the Middleton two point game, uh, which is probably, you know, kind of good for everybody, but you know, but I mean that, that can happen to anybody. Again, it's the stuff we said before though. It's the eight shots or whatever. Yeah. It's that's more concerning than just having two points. And so I think he's still, he's just this kind of inferiority complex that he seems to kind of walk around with where he's like, yeah, no, I'm a complimentary player or I'm not feeling it. So I'm just going to set everybody up. And it's like, dude, you started over three. You got to keep shooting. Like we, we pay, we paid you, you know, 20% of a billion dollars or whatever it was like, like keep shooting, keep, yeah. keep shooting, especially because, especially because great free throw shooter, great ISO player. I mean, look, I, I'm, everybody knows I rag on Chris, but I mean, he has some things that can help us win some of these games. And that's why I, I was so after game four, which again, I was at work, but I was listening to, I've been listening to Ted Davis who, by the way, you know, shout out to Ted Davis. Uh, he's wrong like half the time listening to it. Like I don't listen to games on the radio. Everything's like that's a foul. Oh, that's a three point play. Oh wait, that's a fall on Giannis. Oh come on! And I'm listening to him. I'm like, dog, dude. He's like, I the wonder, Bucks are up seven. I wonder if it's because they have to do it because he obviously they're not in the bubble. The bubble, like he has to watch it through like a monitor. Because even like I guess that like so kind of you don't have like the built in advantages of like being courtside or wherever the radio setup or the TV setup is. You know what I mean? Like, so you're kind of dependent on like what's happening on like, they're basically in our position. You know what I mean? Right. 
Yeah, that would make a lot of sense if that was actually the case. But it, it, that was kind of driving me nuts. <laughs> so, so as much as as much as kind of um, as much as I think people are 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 kind of doing this, who wants who to succeed? Kind of kind of silliness. It would be great. Like, so I, I appeared on this other podcast um, and I, I was kind of at work and it kind of, um, I, and I made a very ridiculous statement where I was like, there was like, the guy was like, and the guy had no idea about the things that I stand for. And he's like, Chris Middleton, people are saying, you know, all NBA, this and that, whatever else. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, and, and no, but I was not, you know, cause I don't want to ruffle feathers. Talk. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> ruffle feathers, but, but, I, but, but on the fly, I came up with this insane plan, this insane thing. And I was like, you know what they should do? They should play him the first five minutes of the game and the last five minutes of the game. And, and, it just, and I was like, he'd be so fresh for those last five minutes. I was like, those last five minutes of the game, he could shoot 12 straight times. And the guy was like, and I was never invited back. <laughs> this guy's thing at all. But it was just, I was like super tongue in cheek about it, but it was, it was still just like, um, and he was like, oh yeah, so Chris, uh, people think, because it was like, the guy was like, it was a good podcast, but the guy was like super just kind of talking point. Like he knew all the talking points around the league. So it was like, hey, people think this, but also what about Bledsoe and uh, Brooke Lopez? I don't think people appreciate it. Just kind of things that, you know, you read like Brooke Lopez, that defense is really good, you know? Yeah. And, and here I, and here I come with my crazy insane, like, just put him in bubble wraps into the last five minutes and tell him to shoot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was like, okay, <laughs> you know, thanks for coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if he can't outplay Jimmy... Uh, we're in trouble. What do you think? So what do you think about the, the bud rotations? Are you, what side are you, are you on the kind of thinking that, that now we're going to get the real playoff look? Uh, <laughs> that might define, I, I mean, I, I think we know that it's going to be nine, 10 deep whenever like people like, I understand ideally like what the bucks should be i just think at this point we have enough evidence that but is always going to be especially first quarter it's always going to be the starters someone comes in for either like bledsoe or middleton or, or not bledsoe or middleton like bledsoe or uh wes like a dante or george or whatever and then yeah. Giannis comes out and then it's going to like quickly devolve into the all bench lineups and then it's like oh yeah the the Bucks lead was, you know, 12 and now it's down to six. Yeah, you know I mean, like it just kind of like follows these similar rhythms yep. that always yep. kind of have you know been the last two years. I I do I don't know. I, I just mm, I have obviously my problems with it and stuff like that. And I just I mean the fact that we saw Ursan and stuff like Ursan just like yeah. let's exercise him out of the rotation completely, especially because Marvin has been so he's been really good. You know, I, he's playing better now than he has had before. He's actually shooting the ball well and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the only, the only thing is like what happens with like Rolo because he had no role, but you know, like the heat have, they're going to, they're just going to try to, exploit the kind of the the scheme the defensive scheme that the bucks have and who knows how they react to that or they hit their the kind of shots that they have throughout the bubble right and then it becomes this weird thing of 
well, if we win game one, kind of in a solid all-around kind of setup, does this lead to us not making any changes? If we win game one, kind of doing similar things like we did to the Magic, but we just kind of happen to outplay the Heat, will switching or kind of the reduction... Because the thing, too, is like Sterling is is firmly on the bench. And like you said, uh, Robin's pretty much on the bench. So there has been kind of some adjustments, but there's still this kind of like at this point... It's, it's unfair. Again, my, my, my kind of philosophy for all of this stuff with these lower level guys is that it just seems to be random. And if Dante oh, yeah. DiVincenzo could have zero, zero turnovers and be three for five from three in game one, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Cause it's just like the random Pat Connaughton games. Don't it's just random. Yeah, You can't, those I are outliers. You can't bake on those being like the new normal. Right. But I wonder, like, I don't know how many minutes a game Marvin was still playing with the Hornets, but like, I feel like he was still like fairly high minutes guy. Like it was around like 20 or something like that, if I remember correctly. Okay. So it wasn't, so it wasn't like 25, 30. Yeah. Yeah. I I just wonder, like all players benefit from the reps. It'd be interesting to see if they tried the eight man or the eight and a half man rotation, just to see if you got a little bit better from everyone. If Bud feels like they're finally in shape you know, kind of in running shape. Cause I, I, I do think like we all overreacted to like the Bucks loss and the Lakers loss Yep. and kind of the, the Clippers struggles with like, they lose game know, four superstar. on like this crazy moonshot from Luca right. and everybody's like, Oh, are they in danger? Like we're all kind of prisoners of a moment when something like something incredible like that happens, especially. Yeah. So I just wonder now if it's like, well, okay, so we're, we're maybe things have just kind of normalized and maybe he'll just go with a seven, eight or with the eight, nine man rotation. And maybe it's time to actually join the playoffs. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. So I am definitely going to, I'm going to nail you down to get a prediction. I need a, a bucks heat series prediction. I hate to uh, speak of the same words that uh, a former bucks player once predicted before a heat bucks series. Uh, I think I think the Bucks will win in six. I think that's that wasn't a plug either. I, I do think it's gonna be in six. Um, <laughs> I'll put that. I just get that music staying and just put it right there. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna say Bucks in seven. I'm gonna say Bucks in seven. Um, I do. I, the other thing too, I, I do think Giannis can have not statistically, but I think he has another level to get to as far as I d- did like that. He seems to be slowing down just slightly a little bit on these kind of crazy drives to the rack. And I, I thought the ball game five against the magic. I thought the parts that I saw, the ball was kind of flying around a little bit more around the perimeter. And, and um, there was a couple of pick and roll alley-oops and there was, you know, and, and the Chris passes were like, Chris made a couple of like really nice passes. Yeah. Um, Kind of for dunk, not like ball rotation kind of stuff, but it like was passes like, lob, like kind of like the to him and Brooke to Giannis and Brooke, I should say. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's the thing too. If we needed, it, I mean, there's always kind of the thing that we talked about last year with the Raptors, where it's like, well, you know, we probably could put Brooke Lopez in the post. That's like another little wrinkle that we could do occasionally just to try to get two points if we go cold. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I, I think. I'm gonna say Bucks and seven because why not? I really hope I I really hope we get. But this is full. Like I, I don't know. If it, you're probably different from me with this, but now what's great about the playoffs is now this is full rooting mode yeah. for me. This isn't the mat. This isn't the magic where I'm like, 
look, I'll be honest. Like, you know, if I was driving through, I was driving through Colorado, you know, and so we had satellite radio, uh, but there are still some spots where we'd get out of the car and I'd come back and, and look, I, I, I just being honest, if I come back to the car and they're like, Chris Middleton still has two points. It's, it's funny to me, right? Like I, mean, I, mean, I want us to win, but it, it's funny. Like I'm listening to Ted Davis and, and you know, cause you can get the feed and it's like, Oh, Middleton, another bad turnover, man, man, he's struggling today. And you know, it's like, and it becomes the announcer thing. Like, I don't feel like you get this on TV broadcast, but on radio broadcast, they tell you what somebody's shooting from the floor every second of the way, you know, just kind of like, Oh, now it's four for nine or whatever. And it, it, it's kind of funny because we knew we were going to beat the magic, Yeah. but now like I'm living and dying with every shot. And even though the first quarter doesn't matter, like I'm going to be mad if we're down, you know, 23 to, 15 in the first quarter against the heat. And, and, and that's to me, it's like a higher level of rooting for basketball now where it's like, I'm living and dying mm-hmm. with every call, every block charge, you know, everything. And now I get to like fully root for everybody well, and I'm going to, and go ahead. Well, think of like how, like after game one against the Celtics last year, and just like, it was such like a, like, it was kind of like the same. It was a little higher scale, especially just because there was like, this belief that the Celtics would eventually figure things out that didn't happen, obviously. But it was like, oh, what does this mean for the Bucks? Like, are they, yep. you know, do they have like the medal or the, are they, you know, this championship contender that they look like throughout the year? And then, it, like, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, like, if they lose Game One, which I kind of think that they do, honestly. Yeah. Um. But that's obvious. That's also worked in their favor <laughs> when they have, I guess, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't like. I, it's this is what basketball, you know, is NBA basketball. Like in twenty twenty, it's like, well, if people lose game one. Like, is this this has the series the series shifted? It's like, it's also like if I think some of that can be true, but it's also a product of like, well, they can lose first, and then you know, I mean, look at how the Bucks lost. The season last year, we we all know how that happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. Somebody stopped shooting, and yeah, yeah, I remember how that happened. But yeah, no, you're right. Like like Celtics game three, and in the per- yeah, I hadn't thought about Celtics game three was probably the height of the season to me because it was yes. like okay, we got it one to one, but it seems like this, and that was you know it's Boston Garden. We had all these kind of 2017, like we didn't win in the Boston Garden. 2017, 2018, or whatever year that was where we lost in seven to the Celtics. And it was like, oh, game three, we beat them. And then game four, we wow, we beat them twice in Boston yep. Garden. And it was like, it was that was the height of all of last year. And I think one of those was the that was the Pat Pat game, Pat and George Hill. I think yep. games three and four. Maybe, maybe they both had a good game three and four, but th- that was their show, right? Yeah. Uh because because Brogdon wasn't back at that point either. I think Brogdon kind yeah, of Yeah, he only came back going. for like game five, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, exactly. But it was like, that was Pat. And, and cause I remember even like in the off season, Simmons was like, yeah, Pat Connaughton, he's really good. And we're like, ah, oh, not really, but I, I understand why you think so. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like doing a preview and he's like, well, they do have Pat Connaughton, you know, they're, they're ripping Corver and he's like, yeah, but they got Pat. And it's like, yeah, no, uh, you know, he's, he's okay. He's okay. We like him fine. So, um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, I'm just stay safe in a real way and let's wade through the waters of the series because I do think it's I think it's going to be it's if it if it plays as like this very contested kind of like 
back and forth series that I kind of envision it being. Like, it's going to be like, it's like we've already, like, especially after game one against the Magic, people are just like, oh, look at this Bucks team. Like, you can see, like, how Giannis is going to leave. They don't have, like, you know, the, like, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, it's going to be even higher than what we've seen before in terms of just, like, all this, I don't know, the noise and everything. Well, this is the dumbest thing in the world, too, because I think we, I feel like, I, used to feel its way with the Packers too. There's this kind of this feeling during the week where if like people are picking against you, like that's like a, that's a confident feeling, you know, like if everyone's picking for you, they won't blow it against this team. And knowing that your rooting interest and the things that you say or tweet have nothing at all to do with the outcome of the game, but some kind of a way it's like, Oh, we were overconfident. Like, like in my headspace as I was going to work, I was overconfident and, and, and like nothing works that way. Yeah. But a lot of people are picking the heat. Uh, I, I know um, Amin picked the heat on, on Lebetard. I've heard mm-hmm. other people kind of, not just kind of the clutch guys, but like I've heard people pick the heat uh, and some kind of way that makes me feel better, even though that makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people kind of, into, I mean, this is also just the unique unique situation because I thought, I thought a lot of people like going into the playoffs and like the bubble, like people are, I don't know. I just feel like there was like this kind of like urgency to like, well, they didn't look good over the last eight games. And like, you can see them, they're more intact or like they're more cohesive, all this stuff. Like people are like thinking of like, look at a team like OKC that mm-hmm. has like their kind of team built, like they're built to play playoff basketball. Like, and now they're down one game. They could, their season could end tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like there was kind of like this, yeah. I don't know, this push to like, crown like there's gonna be these underdogs that it's gonna be this kind of weird thing where everything's kind of like worked as it has gone you know what i mean or as yeah. kind of envisioned but that's that's every single year that happens every single yes, year yes we as sports fans get caught up first of all we know that the the better team is going to win and secondly we kind of know that the best player is going to win the series you could just pick who's the best player in every series and you'd be right like four out of five times but we get caught up in oh you know LeBron's down two to one against whoever and, and, and it never adds up to anything very rarely does it mean anything mm-hmm. but that like that's that's the roller coaster of it just like oh wow look at the are the clippers on the ropes and it's like yeah probably not you know yeah. <laughs> and it's like even all the all the um I don't particularly care anything about Paul George one way or another, but people are like, look at Paul George. It's like, yeah, he's a, he's a great player. Um, <laughs> maybe he's in the third tier of like, of the great players. And, but he's, he's just, he's a stone cold, all NBA player. A lot. It's, yeah. But, but he start but he started out bad. So let's all laugh at him, you know? Yeah. Playoff P. I mean, I mean, yeah. nicknames alone are, I mean, that's a terrible one. That's a terrible nickname. Yeah. Yeah, and the pro- he, if the Cardinals into he gave it to himself, which is, I mean, when you give yourself that nickname, you have you can't play as bad as you have in the playoffs, I guess. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest. It's the it's it must be like the the tears of players must be just so perceptible to these guys that like the one thing apparently that just drives everybody nuts if if they're just not quite on the tier with other players. Like, so he's not quite on the Anthony Davis, you know? Oh yeah. Like, you know, kind of tier or whatever, like even like last year or whatever, he's not quite on that top five tier. He's not on the Harden tier. Yeah. And, and, and so it's like, yeah, give yourself, because this goes back to the Pacers. I mean, it's just, it's not him. No, it's not him. But yeah, dude, I, um, 
always always appreciate um the the good work that you guys do on not only um winning six the podcast but behind the buck pass you and adam my buddies um we look forward to uh surviving this playoffs um <laughs> yes <laughs> oh you know what well, we got to do rapid fire so oh, yeah. real quick rapid fire so rapid fire the way this works is i ask questions and you give them back rapidly no hemming hawing equivocations half Spencer answers Hawes. anything like that Yes, Spencer. He has. Um, Jordan Tresky, are you ready for rapid fire? I am. Who would you rather the Bucks play, the Lakers or the Clippers? Lakers. Does Jordan Tresky have a burner account? No. Seinfeld or the Simpsons? I think younger I would have said Simpsons. As I get older, Seinfeld. What happened to Dante DiVincenzo? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> ding, ding. That apparently is the correct <laughs> Judges say correct. Who gets more free throws for the series? Jimmy Butler or Giannis Antetokounmpo? I go Giannis, but I don't think it's, I think it's very close. What movie would you take on a desert island where some kind of way you have a Blu-ray player? Um, oh, God. I have no idea. I have literally... I can't even think of a movie. Um, yeah, there we go. What? Gross. What, what, okay, what album, what music album would you Ooh, take that, on Desert uh, Island? Mm, mm. What album, what album, what album, what album? I, now that's what I call Music Edition 43. <laughs> is, that, is that the one for the kids? Is that the that's kids like box? what they put, it's kind of like that, but it's like they basically, it's like this greatest hits with all these, like, yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I don't even know if they make them still. <laughs> That's a perfect answer. <laughs> who, who, who has a better series, Chris or Jimmy? Jimmy. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh. Flying. I think flying, though. Yeah. Basic. <laughs> Basic flying. <laughs> That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Jordan Tresky, who wins the 2019 uh, the, the, the 2020? Let me start that again. Jordan Tresky, who wins the 2020 NBA title? Oh my god! I go. Yeah. That's cool because actually that's only our second to last uh, second to last question. That is question number nine. But question number ten: Will Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, the alphabet, the whatever else, will Giannis resign with the Milwaukee Bucks? I I I think he does. I don't know when. I think so too. I don't know when. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's also, 
based on just we <laughs> who knows what next season is going. Like that's that's kind of like we might have like mm-hmm. we'll be without basketball for five months when this all finishes up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that we can really take solace in is the fact that we didn't give Chris Middleton way too much money. So like this un- unprecedented, like kind of lowering of the cap, like we're in really good position because we didn't, you know, there's a lot of things like a lot of people make fun of the Tobias Harris contract and other contracts, but we didn't do that at least. Right. So, I mean, I think we're really in strong position. <laughs> I, look, I'm a jerk. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jordan Tresky, a pleasure as always. We really appreciate you being a friend of the show and everything else and all the good work you do, man. Thanks. Thank you for having me.